This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. Got a few things to get to on this podcast. Nothing crazy. New 24-7 Sports 2021 Top 247 is out, so some shifting occurred with SMU quarterback commit Preston Stone. I wanted to dive into that a little bit, as well as where some of the other targets for the Mustangs ended up in the new rankings that were released on Wednesday. And also, we've got to talk about probably one of the worst losses in the last, you know, in the, I would say, not the modern history of SMU basketball, but certainly between Larry Brown and and Tim Jankovic, as SMU went to Tulane and was handled relatively easily by the green wave in New Orleans. I was there for it on Wednesday night. It was uh, pretty brutal. And I want to lead off with that. And so you could kind of skip ahead in the podcast if you don't want to listen to this. But it was about as, I don't want to say poor of an effort because I really hate to to kind of dog on guys in terms of giving effort at the college level. I feel like that's kind of an overblown thing that people like to talk about is, oh, the team doesn't give effort. Well, I'm in the camp where I think SMU you know, does give effort most nights and and does uh, try to try to play their hardest. But on on Wednesday night, they were just lethargic. They were unorganized. And to be quite frank, I thought the plan for the for the team and the game was was poor as well. So what happens is 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 exactly what happened. SMU got pretty much blown out. They made it interesting late, but blown out by Tulane, a team that was 6-for-6 six six in the second half from three-point range. A couple prayers go in as well. Uh, but that really, it, it ended up making the difference. But, I mean, really, it, did, it didn't. It did SMU was not interested in being there in New Orleans and playing that basketball game against that team. They, they didn't get uh, anything from, from a lot of their key players throughout the game. And, and look, that was a game where... Tulane came out and I think they missed their first three shots and they were pretty ugly. And I said, oh, okay, all right, well, SMU's just going to, could even sleepwalk through this one and come out on uh, the winning side of it. But nope, they don't. They fall to Tulane and and with that go, I think, any NCAA tournament hopes. It, it, it's not realistic for them to win out. It's not realistic for them to to be talking about winning an AAC championship right now. And And we were just talking earlier this week on the pod about how they go out and they get one of the bigger wins in the recent history of the program by taking down Houston and and, and rallying to win uh, in overtime after giving up another big lead and, and setting themselves up for the ability to make this push for an NCAA tournament bid. On, on kind of, you know, it, it was a prayer, sure, but they had a chance. They had everything kind of in front of them. And they go to New Orleans and they lay an egg. And Kendrick Davis, no assists on the night. Had a poor night shooting. Fran Hunt had a really rough game returning home to New Orleans. Didn't score a point. Had four fouls. Picked up three in about a course of a minute. 
Isaiah Mike was kind of the only one that I felt like really had some pop to his game when he was out there, but he was in foul trouble for for a good bit of it. And then Tyson Jolly was kind of trying to will them there at the end, uh, a couple threes. And but look, SMU and and I'd have to go back and look at the final box, but just what a what a brutal plan against the worst interior defensive team in the league. They did not attack the paint. Paint when they did, I felt like they actually had success. I, Isaiah JC had some moments where he was able to, uh, you know, get inside and, and get some things to go and fall his way. But overall, uh, they they did not bring it. They did not look interested, and SMU ended up shooting thirty six three point shots. Six went in. Tulane went 7 of 15 from beyond the arc. They went 1 of 9 in the first half, and SMU couldn't capitalize. And, and look, it was a four-point game at the half. It was there. It was there for them. And they came out, and until the last few minutes of the game, they didn't turn it on at all in New Orleans. And, and for those you know on our board talking about, oh, they went out on Bourbon Street, the team stayed about 30 minutes away from Bourbon. They weren't relatively close to any of that. Um, but look, they get even out-rebounded by Tulane. 32 to 29 and and this was again I think this is kind of telling too SMU had 11 offensive rebounds to Tulane's four and they really couldn't get anything going after those offensive rebounds they had their moments but overall SMU 36 percent from the field 16.7 percent from three-point range I, I felt like they should have attacked the paint whether it be driving and I know they picked up some fouls here or there uh kind of driving but that team just did not look interested. It was a very, very poor effort. And, and this is one of the few times I'll say that it was a poor effort. And talking with Tim Jankovic after, he, he kind of he said, look, this is what we we're afraid of. We talked about it as soon as the Houston game ended, not letting that game beat them in New Orleans against the Tulane team. That, is, that has some quality conference wins. Cincinnati, Temple, they should have beat Temple twice, gave that one away late. Uh, so a team that's well coached by Ron Hunter, I think he's going to be able to get them at least elevated at some point into the middle of the pack, maybe upper middle of the pack at Tulane, but it's going to take some time. But that was a veteran Tulane team that got blown out on Sunday and turned around and said, you know what, we're not going to take this twice in a row and we're going to go ruin somebody's week and probably season by by going out and and beating SMU. I do want to highlight Isaiah J.C., three for three on his touches uh, in the paint, getting those to fall, but really wasn't gone to very much at all. He had six rebounds on the night. Seven and six uh, is what he finished with. But SMU was in foul trouble much of the night. It was kind of a weird game from, uh, from an officiating perspective. I mean, you had a scenario where Ron Hunter did get warned about the box. Tulane gets called for an over the back. He goes nuts, comes out to midcourt, gets teed up, and then the officials still award the tech and then uh, give Tulane the ball after that because of the missed call. So that was the type of officiating night it was. I didn't think there were many call, many calls that between the two teams ended up deciding the game. I mean, that was a game with three technical fouls called, and and I think SMU kind of came out on the other side of that with, with four free throws versus two for Tulane, if my memory is serving me right. But they let Hightower and Thompson get going, and, and that was kind of the end of it. And that's kind of the end of, I think, SMU's run this season to try and make this a, a 
a season that people can sit back and say, okay, well, we know the non-conference schedule was terrible and it's not going to help them in the NCAA tournament, but they've been playing well in conference play. We'll see kind of where the cards fall by the end of it. Now, eight and five in the conference, 18 and seven overall. They're just not in any sort of position to be talking about the NCAA tournament. I'm sure their NIT chances will take a hit. And it doesn't get any easier. They go to Tulsa on the road on Saturday, who's going to be ticked off because they lost to Houston over, uh, uh, over this week as well, the same night as SMU. And if they lose back-to-back games, I mean, it, I mean, and I said this before the Houston game, and then I said it after in terms of Tim Jankovic's future, is that is that type of a game against Tulane and then followed if they were to lose at Tulsa, which they can win at Tulsa. Like, don't get me wrong. SMU's talented enough to do it, and Tulsa's kind of uh, cooled off a little bit from their hot starting conference. But is this the type of loss that that brings change? And I don't know. David Miller, a lot of donors were there in New Orleans. David Miller walked right out before, uh, not before, but but as soon as the game was over, walked right out of this, uh, the arena and and was on his way. Can't be happy. Can't be happy with the direction uh, of this thing going. That's now two really, really bad losses uh, this year to really bad teams in the conference. You talk about the East Carolina loss. Yes, they rebounded at Moody Coliseum and beat them, but two really, really bad losses. And and I'm not, just not so sure that it's uh, it's going to be enough to save Tim Jankovic. I just don't. I just don't know. And we'll have to see how this thing plays out. They could win out. They could go 500. They could you know, really, really fall apart. But this is not. This is the type of stuff that I don't care if this is a team with however many new starters and new players, and they're still trying to find their way. But 25 games in, that type of a game, that type of a, of a performance, should not be acceptable. It's one thing when it was back in the Larry Brown days when they were winning and they were beating top 25 teams and doing this and that, and they had their misstep at USF which probably kept them out of the NCAA tournament. This is another loss that could probably keep them out of the NCAA tournament. Well, it is going to keep them out of the NCAA tournament, barring a miraculous run here late. So, look, the whole soft Methodist University thing that Tim Jankovic and his staff drilled into their guys heading into Saturday night at Houston, well, they reverted back to it. Maybe it was too much energy expended in the Houston game, obviously going to overtime, but four days and an extra day than you normally get off of a Saturday game. Normally, you'd see them play on a Tuesday uh, in conference play, but they get that extra day, and they just they just had nothing. And it's really too bad. And I feel bad for Ferran Hunt, somebody that was going home to New Orleans, obviously doesn't get to play in front of family like that too often. He finishes with zero points, 0 for 3, 4 fouls, and 5 rebounds. And I didn't think his energy was bad, but nothing was falling. He got into that foul trouble late in the game, especially, and 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 he had to go. And he had to go sit on the bench. Overall, this team has just not gotten much of anything, I think, out of uh, what the talent level is overall. They've had their spurts. They've had their Houston game. But really, I mean, this is a team. They had the Memphis game against a team that has ended up to be not that great. But overall, this is a team that is severely underachieving for the talent that they have and and and. It'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch, but that uh, will do it with the basketball talk because I want to talk a little bit about the rankings. I want to talk a little bit about football. We did drop our big behind-the-scenes piece with Kaz Gazzotti and his staff, so we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast, and we'll be right back after this.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and welcome to maybe the the happier side of the podcast if you're listening. We're done with the basketball talk. We're on to football, and the new top 24-7 rankings are out. And look, I know a lot of people are going to jump right on this and, and kind of did on our board, but certainly understood it. I think once I explained it, Preston Stone dropped uh, from just inside the top 50, I believe he was, uh, to just outside the top 100 on the board. And, and here's the thing. We haven't done a top 247 overhaul on the 2021 class since I think last spring and we've kind of been updating guys and ranking guys and and certainly adding them into the fold as they've emerged in their in their junior seasons but we haven't seen a, a, a big overhaul so that is the this is the first overhaul and I'll give a lot of credit to our recruiting staff because heading into this cycle we're going to see a little bit of a change in how we do things this is the the groundwork the groundwork has been laid with this uh, rankings update and now it'll kind of be intermittently upgraded uh, updated and then kind of you'll see more not major overhauls but you shouldn't see major overhauls basically guys are going to be updated according to kind of how they're performing in camps how they're performing in spring practice spring film will come out new guys will emerge new offers are going out all spring and so we'll kind of update it as we go and then you'll see kind of uh, rankings reveals uh, that are a little bit more publicized as those things get set for a bit, kind of take a break, reset, and uh, then move into senior seasons and all of that with the 21 class. So the big reason for Preston Stone dropping, and and I'll be honest, like I, I thought he'd probably drop more, but he is playing against you know poor competition, I'd say. And then when you look at the other quarterbacks, and especially in Texas, Texas is loaded in 2021. Caden Salter, Demetrius Davis, Sawyer Robertson, Eli Stowers, uh, Jalen Milrow. Those are the type of guys he's competing with right now in the state of Texas. And I've seen most of them in person. And it's kind of tough to argue that Preston should be above a, cu- a couple of them. You know, I think long term, maybe he's a better prospect than Demetrius Davis. Uh, on the other hand, you've got somebody like Caden Salter, who's balling out at the highest level of classification in Texas high school football and is a really good athlete. Preston, for him to jump back up or have a chance to, he's got to camp and he's got to verify his athleticism because right now you're going to see some of these guys that run track or we know how well they move or they camp or we have 40 times on them from, from college camps and things like that. And those are the type of things that are going to help them rise in the rankings because 
as impressive as Preston is on film and as impressive as he is leading his team to a state title, there's there's no verified athleticism. We haven't seen him play against the best of the best in camps. And and it is, it is something that we go through when we evaluate players and, and put this list together. So I wouldn't fear. Gabe Brooks loves Preston Stone. I love Preston Stone. There's this uh, checks and balances with our rankings and our rankings council where, okay, they might say, well, we're not sold on him at all, but we'll say, hey, look, we saw him in person or we did this or we did that. Here's why he deserves to stay up that high. So I feel good about Preston Stone at this point staying in that four-star range. And I think he's pretty accurately rated right now at a 93. And I, I hope for Preston that he goes out and camps and proves why he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country because he is. And that's kind of the thing we'll be watching as well. I think another prospect that I want to highlight is Savion Bird, who dropped a little bit just in, inside the top 40 now. And that's in part because, look, it's tough to have him rated as one of the highest ranked offensive tackles when he hasn't played offensive tackle in a while. He played defensive line for Duncanville out of necessity for that team and kind of doing his job. And look, he's going to take a hit. Hopefully in camps, he's able to ball out and, and perform well and, and maybe move back up. But uh, those are t- some of the type of things that that we like to see when doing the rankings. So I hope you guys understand that. And then I'll pitch quickly uh, my Kaz Kazadi piece because I thoroughly enjoyed spending time with the coaching staff, spending time behind the scenes with SMU as they prepare for another season. I think the biggest thing that you'll see in that piece is the attention to detail detail that the staff has and and just kind of how everyone around the program cares about the level of compete and the level of the of attention to detail that's out there and I, I think SMU after spending time around him I think they're in for another big 2020 season I think Shane Bouchelle's leadership is apparent he's as involved as any of the coaches are in terms of messaging and leadership and all of that and uh, you know, I just had a fantastic time. So sh- shout out to uh, SMU for allowing me behind the scenes with Kaz Kazadi and them. Really appreciated it. Check out the piece on PonyStampede.com. It's behind the paywall. Take a, take a buck and subscribe. Check it out. We have plenty of more big pieces on the way for you guys to enjoy on Pony Stampede. So wanted to get you guys off a quick pod before the weekend hits. If you're coming down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, be safe. Uh, I will be enjoying Mardi Gras a little bit this weekend too, and and SMU uh, uh, plays Tulsa on Saturday as well, so I'll be watching that. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this pod, and we'll be back next week with another podcast. So thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.